You guys, it's finally here. I am so excited to announce that the Patreon is live. It's called In the Windowsill, and you can find the link in my bio if you happen to be there, or go to www.patreon.com backslash in the windowsill. I would love to have you check it out. There's an about video there. You can look at and understand the tiers. You can get this podcast early. You can get creative prompts and a lot more information from me, all sorts of good things. A live once a month where we create together and you have an opportunity to ask questions, all sorts of treats for you. And I just want to say thank you so much. I'm doing this because you guys asked for it. You gave me so much awesome feedback when I asked for it and I created it for you. So go check it out. Patreon.com in the windowsill. Thanks so much for your support and for being here right now. Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Hey, listeners, welcome back if you have been here before. And if not, I'm so glad you found your way to the sunny windowsill. I had such a delightful time talking to Anna McDonald, who is my guest today. It's very cool. She reached out to me because she had been one of the people that inspired Gabriella Buckingham in our recent episode. And so she thought, hey, maybe maybe I sh- maybe we should talk. And she's right. We did, and it was really inspiring to me. Anna is a minimalist abstract artist. She works in water-based media on paper, on canvas, and on wood. And her work delves into the importance of negative space and the Zen philosophy, Ma, which is the spatial relationship between structural elements. So when you look at Anna's work, you know, we tend in this kind of illustrative design oriented realm that I know I've found myself in to be super colorful and super layered and floral, etc. And Anna's whole philosophy is she's very purposeful and very mindful about the work that she does, but it is very minimal. And I just love talking to her about it. In fact, she lives this way. She has recreated from what you'll hear and what I can venture to understand. She has recreated her life to be more minimal by really culling through things and only keeping what she deems important, which I aspire to and I'm a long way from. But just even talking to her and looking, because when I record, I do it on Zoom. So I'm looking at at the 
artist or the guest that I'm speaking to, which is like, because I like to do that. Um, maybe someday I'll put those on YouTube, but her whole space is white and inspiring and open. And the space that that provides allows her more space to make art, more time to make art. She finds that she has more money for materials, more space in her brain for ideas, and fewer distractions. And those are certainly things that we discuss. Anna tries to capture the essence of something in her work where she removes the superfluous, leaving something of unobtrusive beauty. She's interested in exploring this idea of intentionalism in her life. And she tries to live with less stuff, but things that have more meaning. So if any of that rings true to you, I think you'll really be fascinated by this conversation. It's just a fascinating one. I, I said, I was asking like, how do I do this? And she also teaches. She has a couple of very cool classes and it stems from training herself to keep a tight calendar to kind of put her creativity first. She's a full-time teacher, you guys. So anyway, I could chatter on and on, but I will let the conversation speak for itself. Here is Anna. I hope you enjoy. Anna, I am so, so pleased that you reached out and here you are today. I'm really happy to be talking to you. I am so honored and I'm really excited. I get really excited about talking to new people, especially artists. Me too. I recently just discovered your podcast through Gabriella Buckingham. And yeah, I thought, oh, I'll reach out and just say hello. And you said, yeah, come on. And I thought, that's brilliant. Thanks so much. Oh, good. I love Gab- it. Your podcast this is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I um, I love it when people reach out because to me, I'm this is all about you know, who inspires us? Who are we meeting? Who are, what are we doing on our own? How can we learn from each other? Um, you know, a couple of years ago when I started it, or even way before, I was just like, I know a lot of people and I know a lot of people that I'd like to know. So that list just keeps growing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for adding to it. So I am so excited to dig in and talk about your whole... So if you read Anna's Instagram bio... It's minimalist, which I love too. <laughs> it's, it's got three lovely bullet points and it says art coach, minimalist, London. And I'm like, oh, yes, I need to learn from you. And it, it's funny because the other day on Instagram, your post came across that is that was five ways minimalism supports creativity. And I, I was just looking at the post and I wasn't thinking, oh, this is who I'm talking to soon. And I was just like, oh. This is blowing my mind. And I sent it to a friend and then I realized, oh, oh my gosh, I get to talk to her. I can really talk to her about this. So, Oh, that's so funny. And I I had a lot of people comment on that saying, oh, thanks. You know, I needed that reminder. And then Gabriella, who I just met and who you'll know is just loves color and she just loves lots of stuff. And she said, oh, I could never be minimalist. And I just said, don't worry. I said, you know, the world still needs maximalists. Like it's <laughs> it's not my mission in life to turn everyone into a minimalist. But it's taught me a lot and I found it really helpful. So it's kind of my thing, really. Did you start as a minimalist or did you get yourself no. there? No. Um, okay, I want to know how you did that. Okay, so I... <laughs> so... I used to be a compulsive shopper 
and a, sho- a shopaholic and I, I pretty much still am like I just love things I think mm-hmm. we lot we all do don't we if we're creative like I love pattern and color and good design and and I love clothes and I I love shopping but that is one of my guilty pleasures mm-hmm. um is shopping and then you know when you're sad you shop when you're happy mm-hmm. you shop <laughs> yeah and I've also and my dad was a refugee and I think I've inherited this kind of mentality of like I just I need I need I feel safe when I've got lots of things around me yeah so it's definitely a work in progress and I've been reading a lot about minimalism for at least a decade Mm. but it's taken me quite a long time to get to a place where I feel like I am living with less because mm-hmm. the problem is, is that if you're still always acquiring things, mm-hmm. even though you might be decluttering and getting rid of things, if you're still bringing things into your life all the time, which I was, there isn't there isn't any change. And I th- and for years, I thought that tidying up was minimalism. I thought mm-hmm. organizing was minimalism and it's not. So I'm basically saying I'm kind of I'm still a work in progress and I think my life does look quite minimalist compared to some people's but I'm not I'm not there yet I still feel like I still have a tendency to buy stuff I don't need to have stuff I yeah I don't really need but I'm getting better I'm getting better at not buying so much stuff and being it just being much more intentional Mm -hmm. it's about being intentional about where I use my energy, what I spend my time doing, what I spend my money on and what I have in my home and who I hang out with. I'm much more intentional. So it's more like intentionalism. Oh, I like that. Intentionalism. I was going to ask, you said like, I'm getting better and it's getting better, but what, how do you know if you've gotten there and maybe intentionalism, then you're always getting there. If you're being intentional, it's always a lovely thing. I think I'm definitely trying to realize that I don't need as much of anything as I think. So it's like, I don't need as many clothes. So I think whenever I get rid of things and I do, I get rid of things on an almost Mm -hmm. daily basis, it might be a really small thing. You know, it might be I'm in my studio and I found that I've got three Mm -hmm. pencil sharpeners. I think I really need one. It, it could be the smallest thing, but it mm-hmm. leaves space. When you get rid of anything, it just leaves space. And it just makes me go, oh, I feel so like I'll look at my bookcase because there's a bit of space there. And it just makes me feel really, really calm. Space does make oh, me feel yes. calm. Um, I think that it it really helps me because I get very overwhelmed very quickly by mm-hmm. visual stimuli. So I tend to look at things and take in lots of information visually. And when I'm at home, I mm. find that really tiring. So I think it's quite important for me to not have a lot of stuff. Um, but also I'm in London, so I don't have a big And you're home. surround, you can go out your so door have and a, have a, lots of things. Yeah, oh my God. So London mm. is is full on. I mean, I was there mm-hmm. yesterday Went out yesterday to a museum. Uh, I went to an art gallery with my children, 
and I just came back and I was just broken. I just get so tired when I've been in London. It's so draining. So to come home to like a quiet a space. I'm looking very, at, very at you and you have yeah. your beautiful new flat file behind you. And it's just white oh, yes. and clean and you're even wearing white and and I think it's black. I can't quite see, but like black overalls, white, white um jumper and it just it's just it's a calming just looking at you at the whole situation is calming <laughs> and i i want to talk about this a little bit more because i think as artists yeah oh i am so not a minimalist however i i have an inner struggle with that i love the things and but my goodness they weigh you down i mean like literally if you have to move, which <laughs> I've moved a lot more than I ever should have several times. And, and right now I live in a very, very small space and it is, I get mail in the house is cluttered, you know, just by bringing my mail in the house. And I, I yeah. look at things all the time and think, how do I get rid of, like my books, I, I love my books. You know, I have art books. I, ne I almost never crack them open. But I love that they're there, especially those creative ones or something that has, you know, I can I can probably move yeah. on a few, which I do. I go through and call and call and call. But my thing is and I I think like I don't want to just take this to the to the Goodwill or the, you know, thrift store. I want it to go to the right place. That stops me every time. These clothes are really good. I should make sure they go to a consignment store this and this is an antique I don't want to just take it to the junk shop how do you it, and get it, it's there time consuming oh my gosh well I'm mm. exactly the same with books I buy art books and I just mm. don't I don't really read them and they sit on the shelf yeah. for years and I just it's like you know you think you buy them and then somehow you're just going to become <laughs> you're going to somehow like absorb all that knowledge without actually reading the book and then you're going to become mm. like this different person or the inspiration is going to strike and there it will be oh yeah yeah books books are a tough one um so the strategies that I've used over time I mean this is the thing is if you could just chuck everything in the bin it would just be really easy and really quick but I don't like waste I don't like throwing things away and I think as artists we know that we can use so much stuff so these are the kind of the strategies that I have used over the over time. I'm quite lucky because yeah. I'm a teacher as well. So three days a week, I'm teaching in a high school and I teach art. And I do take a lot mm. of things from my home yes. that I don't want in my home anymore. Yes, and, and they I get take used them to well. So this could be, yes, it could be surplus art materials. I mean, you know what it's like. It could be anything. It could be scraps of fabric. It could be, I mean, it's, I, I, I bring everything. I bring old jam jars. Any, everything can be used as still life. So yeah. I do take stuff to work. I also keep a bag. In fact, I keep bags hanging up on my doors all the time. So I have a bag which I hang up, which is this is my school bag. So when I'm going around the house and think, oh, you know what? I've got way too many pencils that I'm ever going to use. I'm going to take them to yeah. school. I put them in that bag. And then every Monday, this massive bag nice. gets taken to school. And it's a running joke because my head teacher <laughs> meets us at the front door. And I 
I've got about 15 bags and he says I'm like the human version of buckaroo or something. Here she comes. I've got so, I've, I've literally, I've walked in the door with a massive hat stand and a pot plant <laughs> and three bags. It's a bit embarrassing. So I do that. And then I've also got another bag, which is, well, we call them charity shops. You call yeah. them Goodwill stores, don't you? So, thrift stores, um, yeah. or thrift stores. So I will put, I'll put stuff in so that way I don't have to feel like I have to designate a day to the the cluttering. If, if I've literally opened up my kitchen drawer and I've got an old wooden spoon in the bag, I don't need it. It's just one item, but you put it in the bag. But if you're doing that consistently, you'd be amazed. I must say I have a bag going. What you can get rid of. I have a bag going almost all the time. Yeah. Um, We living on an Island. It's an interesting little thing here. Not to, to get into thrifting, but we have a a local thrift store that will take, it, it's almost like you take your shoes in and you could see them in the grocery store the next week. So there's something really nice about feeling like you're sharing and, and um, you can put something at the top of your driveway and say free on it and it'll be picked up in five minutes. It's really, that part of it is, is unique, but then, then then you drive by somebody's driveway and you think, oh, I need that. <laughs> it's just, oh. I, I used to have a thrifting habit mm. and it was so bad that I'd go into my local thrift shop and they'd be, oh, Anna, we've, we've, <laughs> we've put a few, we put away a few things for you. We thought you'd like them. I mean, it's really, it's really, <laughs> it was quite bad. And I think it becomes really addictive because you just buy, you, you love that bargain and you're like, oh, and you just yeah. get too much stuff. But I think the thing about letting things go is that, and and how this connects with thrifting, is you know how it feels when you find right. that amazing bargain or you find something that someone else has got, you know, left outside their house or that it's in a thrift shop, how nice that feels. And so when I'm giving mm-hmm. or donating things, I think it would be really nice to give that to someone else, for someone else to find a bargain. And I've done sales. I mean, we have car boot sales, right. you have garage sales, and I have given stuff away. Oh. It's just, I mean, oh. I've sold my easel recently. The things my, that have gone you know, through my hands. Let oh, someone yeah. else have a bargain. And you know, yeah, you, you, you get know, to think back I, on it and be glad that it passed through your hands. You know, there are other people there that can't afford it new and they'll be so happy. And I do feel like I read somewhere that when you let go of stuff, all you're doing is leaving space for new things to come in, for new things to come into your life as well. I couldn't agree more. And that speaks true to so many different versions of things. And I, I have your post up right here, your five ways minimalism supports creativity. I love that it comes along with with your brushstrokes, which I, of course, want to talk about your art, but more space to make art, more time to make art, more money for materials, more space for ideas, and fewer distractions. And when you when you think about being in a clean, you even said your bookshelf has space on it, you know, so you could it just, you can breathe more easily. I, I recently had a flood in my garage and, um, my garage was was really uh, a stopping place for me, and now it's not. It's almost empty, and it feels amazing. and And my friend even said, "You just you seem lighter." I was like, "Oh, I am. I am lighter." Yeah, I think you know the the thing about making more space for art as well is that I live in 
quite a small flat and my studio space is in my house so I'm in my studio now and it is a I suppose it's it's like a central room in the house where you have to walk through to get to the kitchen it's right in the middle of the house it gets the most traffic of any room interesting Mm -hmm. it's kind of one of these weird rooms kind of in the middle it could be a nothing room but I thought this is going to be my studio space and I do make quite big art so I don't know if you can see I've got this big painting on the wall so I make quite big work you work in inches I don't work in inches but it's big Um, (laughs) and I think it's when when it when it dawned on me what you gain when you get rid of a lot of stuff that you don't need is that by not having like excess furniture or even art materials in this room I can make big work I just lay stuff out over the floor and my kitchen is is right next door here and sometimes I do I just take over the kitchen and my work is all over the kitchen and then I'll work in the garden in the summer and it works because we just have one kitchen table we have a kitchen table and a couple of chairs we just take them out to the garden we we Mm. move them out of the way and then I've got the space so for me I realized that by having less furniture that perhaps doesn't have a function I'm creating space that I can make the art I want. And that's when I thought mm-hmm. this is really important because I'm making quite big, ambitious work, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It makes me really, really happy. And I can do that because I don't have stuff in my house that I don't really need. But it's yeah. an ever-evolving thing. So I have to review it all the time. You know, this is not working anymore. That's why I upgraded to this plan chest, or what mm-hmm. do you call it? A flat... Flat file. A flat file. <laughs> I thought it would be a better use of space. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's a big thing. And, and making time, that's very much about like looking at what you do in your schedule and saying no, just saying no to stuff, because you realize that we've all got the same amount of hours in the day. And if you really, there are some things, aren't you, you keep saying to yourself, when, when I've, when I've done this, Mm then I'm going to have time for my art, you know, and then that kind of never really happens. You have to just say no to stuff. So I do say I've started saying no to some friends or no, I can't pop over for coffee today because I really, Mm -hmm. I really need to um, work on my art or something. I don't know if you just heard that. That was my Alexa. (laughs) something. I don't know if that got picked up. I don't think it did. um, But again, like, you know, not shopping. I wasn't shopping as much and suddenly I've got money in my bank account for art materials. And that is so much fun. It is. Isn't it interesting to see it kind of build up? It's like, oh, yeah. living here, it's, it's, um, living here on this island, it's, we don't just, I don't just pop out to a shop like I used to because, you know, there's two and (laughs) you've seen them and you don't need to see them very often. So it's, it's helpful. But I, I would love to, you, there's so many things that you touched on that I want to talk more about, but your art and your art practice, it's based on the negative space and things like that. Has it always been that way? Tell me a little bit about no, your oh art. No, my goodness. So my art was this, I never really had an art practice. Mm. So I would illustrate with watercolors, not professionally. That's just what I did. Um, and I wasn't uh, I've only been doing this professionally for I think about four four, five years Mm. about five years um and 
yeah I didn't I didn't have an art practice I just made little illustrations um I wasn't I didn't really sell my work um I suppose like travel travel journaling just sketching drawing mm -hmm. I've always I've always made art like it's always been my strongest subject right from when I was really tiny and I just um yeah maybe we'll talk about my that journey later but um I got to a place in my life where I was just really unhappy. I think it's, I hear this with quite a lot of people. I was in my early forties, mm. was really unhappy. And I would was in a very, my mental health was in a very poor state. And I went through a couple of years of just really searching, searching for what was it I needed to do? Did I need to leave my job? Yeah. What needed to happen? And, and I was in, in quite a bad place for a, quite a long time. And then I realized that I needed, I needed a creative outlet. Mm. But because I'm a teacher, I would have this window into a creative world. So I teach children who would spend a lot, particularly when they were doing their exams, you know, like 15, 16 year olds, up to 18 year olds, they would spend a lot of time making art and really exploring and investigating. And when mm. I used to mark their work in the summer, I used to feel really envious. Mm. I used to go through their sketchbooks and think, oh my God, they've had oh, all gosh. this time to explore and to look at artists and play and develop their work. That's what I need. I want mm. that space. I want to be immersed in that kind of experience. And because I never went to art school. Mm -hmm. So I thought oh, that that's what I need. And so I didn't know where to start. And I just began by taking whatever art class was available. I had very young children, so it wasn't easy for me to do. And then I just started to connect a little bit more with really good friends that were artists as well. So I'm lucky because I've got um, friends that were art teachers as well. And they were just really encouraging. And, you know, one said, let's let's do a fair together Anna and I was like what are you talking about like I don't make work I never even went to an art fair mm. but I but I said give, give me a year we'll do it next summer let's you know give, give me a year so I spent a year just kind of making work and I thought this is your first time where you can actually maybe think about what work you really want to make what do you want to say and I thought I don't know I don't know what I want to say and so that's when I really discovered Instagram really late. Like I think I probably discovered Instagram like 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh my God, look at all these artists. And I right. had friends that were really interested in abstract art and I was looking at it more. And I was just so drawn to it. And, and the wonderful thing about Pinterest and, and and Instagram, and I started to collect all these images. And I think my training in art so being an art teacher and I've now been teaching for almost 20 years that really helped guide me mm -hmm. so I thought okay well is there a common thread with all these you know with all this art that you're looking at and I thought well it's all abstract and it's quite minimalist and I really like gestural brush marks and kind of calligraphy and Japanese looking work and there are a couple of artists that I like there's one called Toko Shinoda and um and I just sort of thought oh I really love this and so I started to look at 
Japanese kind of minimalist brush strokes. And then along the way, so I was kind of making work like that and mm. didn't really know why. And for a couple of years, I was making this very, very simple work. And I thought it makes me just feel really calm. And I really like looking at really simplistic works. And I really like line. I like mm -hmm. drawings and I like line work. Like I love abstract expressionism. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know why I was making it, but I made it. I was making this stuff. And, and then I even began to start selling it, but I still didn't quite know why I was making this work. And then just, I think that's what's so great about making art. And it takes you a while to, I think that's the exciting thing about it is looking at your work over time and asking yourself, why am I always drawn to that colour? Why do I make those marks? Why, why do I need to, why am I interested in texture? Why do I return to this subject matter? And you just that's, learn about yourself. Those are really yourself. good questions. Yeah. You I just... don't think we ask those often enough. So I really enjoyed that process, but it did take me a few years and uh, yeah, and in amongst that, I realised that I have a fascination with Japanese philosophy, mm. um, and that and that was kind of showing up in my work. And any, I mean, my work is very simplistic, but there, I could talk quite a long time about it because there are references in my work to lots of different experiences that I've had in life and what I'm interested in. Mm. so and, but yeah. how do you so in your work because it's you know simple work is not simple we you know we know that <laughs> but it has to be you know um you take away to to put that work there it goes with your whole practice and I I love that you say there's references in it because I imagine that whole whole exercise of getting to where you are and and noticing like you mentioned I'm interested in this brush stroke, or I'm I'm repeating this color, or this layered bit is really enticing me. So I want to do that again. And then and then and then they become linked to like this layered piece reminds me of our summer trip or whatever it is, you know, like you're I'm imagining, right? Because I'm not you, but I just I love how it's almost like you were describing about your shift from from being a a collector of things to to honing down and having the things that are important and they're in our heads right those memories and it seems like that's what your art has become as well it's so beautiful to look at thank you i think it took me a while to almost like accept the work I was making mm. because I think when your work is really simple I certainly struggle a lot with feeling like it's not enough like there are artists out there that just make incredible work and you can see the hours it's taken and so there's always a bit of a complex that that what I'm doing isn't enough because mm. it's really really simple but I think the aim of my work is to include what's necessary mm -hmm. and create something that for me is really beautiful I want to create something which is really beautiful it's like it's really nourishing for your soul it's really calming it's it makes you stop and what's really amazing is that when I do live events when I do fairs and exhibitions 
people stop in front of my work and they just stop and they take a deep breath and they'll often say oh my god this is like a bit of an oasis where there's so much busyness and that makes me so happy I could cry because I think that's what I need so for a couple of years I sort of the last couple of years I thought I think I'm making this work because I need this kind of quiet and calm because what's quite funny is my Instagram and my work is quite clean and quite calm but I don't think I'm a very calm person and (laughs) you know I will and people meet me at affairs and I always laugh and I think you're gonna go away (laughs) and think well that was unexpected (laughs) I thought she was just gonna be like really zen she was like really hyper and talk loads and and then I thought you know this is I've and so for years I find it really hard to be slow I can't meditate I find yoga really Mm. difficult and and then I I was was sort of putting all these things together and I thought I reckon I've got ADHD I just Mm. tick every box and then sure enough six weeks ago I got this diagnosis of ADHD and it just makes sense that I really struggle to be still I struggle to to stop and Mm -hmm. and I think my work when I look at my work it makes me do that and the process in which I make it is really calm so I can't make my work I mean this is going to make me sound really like oh like I'm a really serious lofty artist but (laughs) I can't make my work if I'm listening to a podcast I can't Mm -hmm. even make my work if I'm listening to a song with lyrics it has like I listen to music but it has to be really it gets me in a space which is just really calm so it's yeah it's an it is a nice it's a it's a nice um way of making work I like the space that I create in order to make the work well it sounds like and back to that word intentional it sounds like you have been paying attention to what works for you without a diagnosis or anything, at some point along the way, you tapped into this calm work that was really the space you wanted to be in. And at the same time, you know, knowing kind of what, what worked for you and what didn't work for you and not listening to certain music or whatever while you're creating. And I, I just think that's so interesting. And I noticed you mentioned in a story the other day that you feel ADHD is your superpower. You know, do you think the diagnosis is just like a, oh, okay, now I can, now I can dig into that in a different way or, you know, own it in a different way. Yeah. Like, I think even if they told me, no, you don't have ADHD, I just wouldn't have believed them. Right. Because I think in my job, like learning a lot about kids with ADHD, I just thought it's so obvious I have it. Nothing's really changed. I mean, I'm now 48. So mm-hmm. I've learned how to manage it. Mm. And I've really learned ways, really good strategies of of managing it. And when you said about um, kind of learning a, a, about what works for me, I mean, I think that's true of everybody. I think we get to a certain age, certainly in like in our late 40s, and I think we start really learning about ourselves and it feels so freeing and empowering. Um, and... Yeah, this diagnosis, it just, you know, for such a long time, I 
didn't accept who I was and I felt embarrassed about liking I like to organize things and be neat and have some kind of order and control and I felt but that's not what true artists are artists are messy the artists don't care about being tidy interesting because they're too busy like with their ideas and flinging paint around and and I thought oh I'm but that's it because I'm not really an artist am I I'm I can't be a real creative and I think once I just tapped into what I needed that I realized that I really need a calm ordered environment that I could I just functioned better and now it makes sense because my mind is whirring at 100 miles an hour and I get incredibly distracted and I don't finish things my mind goes off on a tangent you know I talk a lot and and it's exhausting and I think that if it's not managed, you just feel like you're failing. So mm. I, for years, I mean, for years, I mean, most of my life, I think, always felt on some level that I was failing mm. at life, I was failing at things. And once I started to just surrender and just go, well, I I want to um, create a more orderly home and it's okay that there is some kind of order and process to the way that I work yeah it just frees me up and so the way that I the way that I make my work and the way that I also help other artists there's a lot about kind of structure and an approach um, because what that does is it it helps with what we call the cognitive load it kind of um you know, if you're prone to feeling overwhelmed, which I think we all right. are, mm-hmm. it, it really helps with with that. So then I do feel like by having this kind of order and control or tidiness, I can I can then be creative. And when I'm in my studio, I make a terrible mess. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And, yeah. and because I've got that, I've got that physical space and I've got right. that clear space. <laughs> Um, but I've also got a bit of mental space as well now. Yeah. So you mentioned you felt like you were failing. Do you think you were putting yourself in the wrong creative box? Like I, you you also said I'm creative, so I need my space must need to be this way or I must be supposed to present this way, which I think is really, is really interesting because those things that we gather along the way in our lives, you know, well, if I'm, if I'm going to hang out with these people, then I need to wear these clothes or whatever that is. And then we realize, I was just talking to my son is almost 15. And we were, we were talking about this yesterday, you know, fitting in, doing what you, what we do to fit in. And then all of a sudden, if we're lucky, actually, we realize, oh my gosh, I've been doing this thing to fit in and I, I've lost part of myself along the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I just, I just used to feel like I was going through life. I mean, I was kind of being myself. I just felt, but that's wrong. Ah, mm. <laughs> you know, so an example would be that in my school, I taught with a colleague for about 13 years she's actually coming over tomorrow she's coming over tomorrow and so yeah I mean I've known her for nearly 20 years but we worked together and she's my antithesis so where I was all about small neat 
illustrations and everything was tidy and a bit restrained she was let's go big and if it can be pink and it's got gold on it and glitter and let's make a mess she was honestly so different to me so I always felt that I'm wrong there's something wrong about like I shouldn't be like this but then what happened was when I just started to embrace the fact that I like I like wearing monochrome I like things to be neat and then I could just be myself and then it meant that I was living a world and that I felt more comfortable in and then what happens is that then other people accept you if they don't they just they just go elsewhere and so what's happened with this friend in particular is that we kind of really celebrate our differences Mm -hmm. it's hilarious how different we are you know we'll we'll, we'll be out somewhere we'll like be at I think we'd go to an art fair or we'd go somewhere or a shop and she'd pick up like this giant like gold vase with something I don't know. So colourfully, look at this. Isn't it amazing? And I've like picked up a twig. <laughs> like, a bro- like this is what I'm taking home. I'm taking home this branch and a piece and of I'm felt. And I'm perfectly allowed. Yeah. So I think that's it. It's really about like really embracing who you are because mm. otherwise, you know, no one else can be who they are. Exactly. And if you, there's something too, and I, I know I've been saying this, this year a bit more there's something about showing up in the way that you are that a couple things it gives other people permission because if you if you really show up that way and say no i'm picking up the stick i happy for you about that vase but i'm i'm gonna go with the stick you know you're you, there's other people that are like oh, i'm a stick person too oh my gosh i thought i was all by myself and i it wasn't right or whatever you know what i mean it's it's and then you're you're being honest with the world and yourself. And I don't think we do that all the time. I think and I think it's such a lovely place to be, especially when you can also be with people mm. that see things differently to you. Oh, absolutely. And are different to you because so it, rub, it rubs up on it rubs off on you. So this friend yeah. in particular, this colleague, she's really changed the way that I teach. She's changed oh, the way that I make art. So I may I now make big work and she's always very excited when I make work that's got lots of pink in it she's really happy about that you know she gets really disappointed if I make oh no you're making some more black and white work where's your pink work Anna so um it's it's great it's lovely but at the same time just just know just knowing yourself knowing yourself but you know knowing yourself is also about not always staying in your comfort zone a little bit it's true it's stepping true. out take, take, taking a few risks and yeah it's true I think that's where the excitement comes in and we've you know we've been kind of locked away not so much in the past year but COVID made us kind of go inward and and the risks were they felt different the risks were different they were like am I going to be safe and things like that and now we can go back to taking different kind of risks creative risks and you know showing up in the way that we feel is right. Yeah. I think that's good. Your students, so are they um, teenage? They are from the age of 11 to 18. Oh, wow. That's a good broad range. Yeah. So what are some ways that you encourage creativity in those young minds? Looking at other artists. Mm. I get really excited when... You know, you've got kids and 
they they will always say to you, I don't know what to do in this project. I've like got no mm-hmm. ideas and I'm so rubbish yeah. about art. I'm so rubbish at art and I don't know what to do. And and I have a chat with them. And and to be honest, it's exactly the same as when I coach other artists. It's just that as grown-ups, people tend to keep those voices inside mm-hmm. and be a bit grown up, whereas teenagers just let it all out. But we all have the same fears. And I love listening to them. I love listening to them. They talk to me about um what what they're interested in or they'll show me what work they've done and then I think oh I've just seen the perfect artist for you and it could be that I went to a gallery or it could be a friend of mine or it could be somebody I've seen on Instagram and the way that they say oh I love that it's so exciting and then they go off and then they start making something and you know that you've opened them up to you've just opened them up to what art is yeah so I'm always introducing them to art because they've got this idea about art is is painting isn't it art is painting and drawing and when they show them (laughs) textiles or sculptures or mixed media and graffiti and and it gets them really excited. That is the best thing. And then it gets them excited about the world generally. Yes. But then it's like, well, you need to go and take photographs of, of things. Um, like I just had a, it was so sweet. I had a student um, email me yesterday. Uh, we're, we're currently on, on, I think you might call it a midterm break. Yeah. Um, and he's really interested in, nature and he's 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 set up these little cameras in woodland that are motion sensitive oh wow and he comes into my lessons in the morning and he says miss do you want to see what my badgers are doing do you know what a badger is yes yeah you do you have badgers where you have badgers do you have badgers we do this was a british thing i don't think so we have definitely have badgers. There was one living under my friend's porch for a while. Oh, brilliant. Well, there you go. You know what a badger is. Um, so, yeah, so he shows me these badgers. Anyway, he just messaged me saying, oh, I've, I went to see some deer and they were actually locking antlers and I've taken photographs. Now I can use it in my work. You know, it's when they get excited oh, about things. Gosh. That's all you want for kids is just for them to engage in the world. Just be interested in anything. Right. And it sounds like you really listen to them. You really look and say, okay, you're interested in badgers. You're interested in pink glitter. You're interested in, you know, graffiti. Let me expose you to something that, that you might not have known about or a direction you didn't know. know, My son will say, oh, I'm no good at art. I'm, I'm no good. And I was like, okay, Mm. not true. You know, it's just finding finding that thing that really lights you up I know my my, my kids aren't allowed to say that my students aren't allowed yeah. to say that if they do I just go boring and I just walk away from them ignore them and I say I'm sorry I just can't talk to you we do we do we find other ways it's but it's it's funny because you know he loved it when he was little he's just it's that thing where you you get away from something and you have to find your way in and for him it's it's music and and other things like that but it's it's really rewarding watching watching those synapses kind of fire again and be like, oh, and they've figured it out themselves, which is always the best way because then, you know, you give them a little push and and off they go. You're, you're absolutely right. There's something that changes in their eyes 
Mm-hmm. And it's the most amazing thing to witness. So I think all it is, it's about how can you give them some opportunities? How can you show them what other people are doing to get them a little bit excited? And so my way of teaching is that you you find these artists that you find exciting and then you try and emulate them. That's what you do. Right. And then what you do is you identify what is it about their work that you really like? And then what are you interested in? Mm-hmm. So can you apply those things to your own you let's start using your own photographs of those badgers or those deer, that deer, and you start incorporating some of that color. And I think that's, you know, when, when I was early on in my teaching career, you know, not so confident, there's this tendency to tell kids what to do, to tell your students what Uh, to do, uh because you don't feel equipped enough to help them. And when you realize that you just you, you you need to listen to them. I mean, it does it does help when you've got some knowledge of art. So my degree was in art history, mm, so I've got mm. a knowledge of of art and, and artists. But when you're seeing art and going out to exhibitions and on Instagram, and I'm really lucky now. I've got lots of artist friends through mm. this creative journey that I'm on. Mm. It it helps to draw upon that knowledge, but you need to listen to them because they will actually tell you things that they're interested in. And that's the exciting thing. So it's, again, it's about being around people that are different and interested in different things so that they all make work that's totally different. And that really Mm -hmm. excites me. That's intentionalism again, isn't it? The listening, the waiting, the not filling the space and waiting for it to be filled. I, I love that. I think um, I've managed a lot of creative people or, or, you know, I've been called a manager to them, but my favorite way as well is saying, is trying to understand what they want to do, what they are lit up by, what, what they think is trending or exciting to draw, because you're always going to get something much more interesting and fresher than telling them what to do. That's right. Cause you only know so much. Right. No, but it's when just you listen to them, <laughs> Yeah. Right. And, and you know, you can suggest things. You can mm-hmm. say, well, actually try using this technique or, yeah, this this artist I saw yesterday, it would, would be great for you to look at. Mm. Um, I think it's really nice as well because I think students, but also the same is true of the people that I coach, is that I think people just feel really heard. They feel like someone's really listening and they, they get them. They're not trying to change who you are. Like I'm not right. trying to change my students or their Mm-mm. style. And I think everybody needs that. It's going back to sort of knowing ourselves and being really accepted. Right. Because you want someone that's supporting where you're going and not saying, oh, no, no, goodness. you don't want to be doing that. You want to just, you want to do this. So, so pe- people often come to me as an art coach because they've seen my work and they feel somehow that I'm going to help them make their work a bit more minimal. And if that's mm-hmm. what they want, that's where we can go but that's I say to them my work has nothing to do my style as an artist has nothing to do with the way that I coach you know it's to do with um facilitating someone isn't it it's guiding somebody it's true you know this is one of the things I jotted down you you said somewhere I can't remember I pulled it from artists work in all manner of ways carving out their own rituals and practices none of which is better than the other And this is, you know, it's about, right, curating your own practice, your own inspiration and ritual. And 
like you said, it's about teaching them the underlying parts of that instead of maybe they're attracted to your your work and they want to know more about that. But is it really more about working to create their own rituals and practices and then from that finding finding themselves in that? Does that make sense? Yes, because ultimately you have to get to a place, like you said, which is you need to do things which are right for you. And so, you know, you can suggest things and people can try things on and go, that's not that's not really me. But ultimately, I suppose my role as a teacher and as a coach is just to is 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 to guide and not give everybody the is to not give you the answers all the time. And there are certainly really good strategies that I've learned that would really help. There are things that work. So, for instance, you know, teaching somebody how to reflect on their work, because, Mm, you know, when you ask yourself questions, that's where you're going to find the answers to what you need to do next. So mm-hmm. when, when you know, people are flailing and thinking, oh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't feel creative or I don't know what work to make or I've reached a, a sort of um, this sort of point where I've stopped and I, I don't feel very creative, I don't know what to do next. You just need to start looking at your work and asking yourself questions. So um, that's what I help artists with and it's the same way that I teach the students there are questions that I get people to ask themselves and then go well you know what action are you going to take from that because you you have the answers it's no point in me giving you the answers to everything it doesn't work that way no you need to figure that out yourself but sometimes you just need somebody holding your hand and guiding you a bit until it becomes uh more your own yeah and sometimes that's why I I love a collaboration every once in a while because somebody will say, I, I was working in my studio just, was it this week? And um, with a friend and and she said, I, well, I had said, let's collaborate on this project. And she said, try this. And I, I never would have made, it was this um, silver piece and I never would have made it that way. But what I often get stopped in the ideation part where it's like, oh, I'm going to sit here and sketch this thing before I cut up any metal and solder anything. And she was just like, do this thing. And I did it. And I loved how it came out. And then as we were, she was working on something else. But as I was building it, we it, it evolved. And, and it just it just cracks something open, you know. And I think coaching does that and taking a course does that or doing a you know, a, a challenge does that. Um, I love those little things that move us, you know? Yes, they are definitely about nudging us out of our comfort zone and taking risks. Taking I, risks is hard. Taking risks is scary and it's hard and it's exhilarating and it's important. That's, that's It really, really is. I mean, I just, you know... I find that my work, oh my gosh, is the process. You know what I said about I needed something creative because I was really miserable. It yes. has been like the biggest, the probably the biggest healer in my life on so mm. many levels. I think a main, the the main heat, the main healing that it's been for me is the way that it's connected me with other people. Like right now, you know, it's been right. amazing to meet people and connect with people and talk and feel you just don't feel alone in the way you feel about things and I've got 
I would, you know, I'm always out with my friends that I've met through my art practice and art business. Yeah. So I have this really, really rich, I have a very rich, I suppose, social life in terms mm. of really connecting quite deeply with people and having lots of fun. I have lots and lots of fun. Ah. Like when I do art fairs, you know, that's amazing. But the art making itself to me feels like play and exploration. Yes. And I find that really hard, mm, mm. really hard. Like I am a perfectionist and I was always a perfectionist. So play is um, hard? Play and making mistakes is really hard. Ah, and, you know, it's made me realize, I, I, you know, you have to go back and think, well, why is that? And I grew up, I was the eldest daughter. I was I excelled in quite a lot of things. I excelled in all the arts at school, um, dance and drama and and um, and art. The problem is, and I and I think this is really, <laughs> this is really so telling of like growing up in the eighties, is that there was so much attention then placed on me for achieving things. Yes, and especially parents, being the oldest. Yes, the old, the eldest girl, and I think being the eldest girl, are you too? Yes, I am. Oh, so <laughs> so does this resonate? Because sometimes I think you can go the other way, but I, it does. I mean, it, those little. Th I remember, you know, you're the oldest. You have to set the example. That was the yeah, and and I I imagine that was that was because they needed a specific thing, you know. But I, however, we take it on, right? However, we however we take it on. Exactly. Is the way. But I I was given a lot of attention for excelling and being mm -hmm. the best at things. Mm -hmm. And that feels good. But the problem is then, and, and if you're kind of raised thinking that you're a little bit special because mm. you're like the best at art and you're the best dancer and you're going to go to the Royal Ballet School and you're going to do all of this, you what then happens when you're when mm. you make mistakes? Yes. You make stuff that's just really rubbish, that you're really mediocre sometimes. It's like, what does that really mean? Helpful. It means that you're not really, you're not really worthy. And so that, you know, I realized that when I really started making art, which is that that's the hardest thing for me to do. So what I try and capture in my work. So some of the things I try and capture in my work are this polarity, this part of me, which needs to be perfect and rigid and controlled and so that will show up in a very controlled mark like a mm -hmm. very straight line mm. but I want to show kind of a bit of the freedom and the chaos mm. um, and maybe a bit of play as well so there'll be marks that I make with my wrong hand or without oh, yeah. looking at it or I will drop I'll pour paint on the canvas I've got no control over it and mm. it's really difficult for me to make those marks that might ruin a piece of work <laughs> yes yes because oh, yeah. you know when you're working in this way sometimes you just get one chance at it I can't work over the top of it but right it is it's hard but it feels like this is really necessary like I need to give this myself time to play and make mess so yeah so that's why mm -hmm. again it's lovely to have this studio and, and and give myself space and big bits of paper and and play and have fun Important. I think that's, it is so important. And I, I've often, I often don't start something or don't, you know, because I, 
I want it to be perfect, you know? And what does that mean? It's my own, it's in my own head, but I, I took a painting workshop that was so wonderful. The artist's name is Lynn Whipple. And we had to, you know, I, we spent all this time drawing that it was a still life, beautiful vase of flowers. And we spent all this time drawing it. And, you know, you're like, oh, that petal's just right, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, turn it sideways, you know, toss some paint on it, draw these lines over it. And I was like, oh is that hyperventilating? Oh my gosh. And, but it was <laughs> so freeing too, because I've never been one that's very good at layers because I don't want to cover up that perfect line right there. And it's the best, it's, oh my gosh, the things we do to ourselves. And the same for me in sports, because I would have like, I'm not going to play tennis because I'm not perfect at it right not right when I start, which is the silliest thing. But we're as as kids, we're comparing ourselves to the people that have been doing it for however long. And and we don't I, I didn't give myself grace then and say, well, maybe you could just learn, you know, <laughs> it just would be. So those are those are those are our own things we get to work through. Right. And isn't it amazing that you just sometimes just need somebody that's with you almost like holding your hand saying it really is okay yeah you can do this let's turn the painting around let's yeah. just do it because I think without someone there nudging you but also saying it really is okay let's go for it you'd never know that you'd make this work and it's really amazing and I I read about you which I thought was interesting and I really I you know it touched a nerve with me which was that you said that you you make art, you're creative, but what really lights you up is really helping other people, is working with other people. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about accepting yourself, recently mm -hmm. I've struggled a little bit with the fact that I'm, you know, do I want to be seen as an artist or as as a coach or, or you know, as a teacher? Because uh -huh. I, I run a couple of courses and I've thought, right. you know, will people not take me seriously if I'm doing both and I think the reality is is like you it's the most amazing feeling is when you can be that person to hold someone's hand and say come on we can do this let's just yeah. do it and then you help other people see their own potential and you I know it. that for me it's it's a, it's a big thing it's really important to me to do that so I'm kind of going to embrace that kind of art coach educator hat as well as being an artist and think people so don't accept glad. me that that's kind of their thing and then well and don't we all I mean you do it every day with your students but it probably doesn't seem that way and I I have two questions I, I want to know how you balance your time because you have kids you you teach and you have a clean beautiful studio and you paint big beautiful paintings like and the education which I want to ask you about because I'm fascinated as to what that looks like for you. So how do you manage your time to get your creativity in there? Um, how do I manage my time? Because I know, I, isn't um, that kind of one of your courses? Or the it, it is. I am very well organized. Yeah. I'm, okay. I've just learned lots of strategies. So like not knowing that I had ADHD was probably one of the best things because yeah. I had to find ways of, of managing and organizing my time. And I failed at that for a very long time um I'm really good at planning and organizing mm. my time so that I don't get overwhelmed because I've spent 
the majority of my life in a state of anxiety. And you think one can learn that? Yes, definitely. Good, good answer. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you can learn anything, can't you? Yep, I do. So, um, yes. Yeah, so I've just, I learn, I learn how to plan and I use a bullet journal because I, I, I love digital organizing as well. I use both mm-hmm. and I've learned how to, I try and streamline my life. So it's like we said about intentionalism. So I'm, I find that the less you have of something, the easier it becomes. So, you know, yeah. on my phone, I regularly deleting apps and organizing my digital life. It just means that um, things are easier. You know, when your yeah. house is a bit tidier, yeah. It's easier to be tidy when you have less things. And right. then when it's tidier, it's easier to find things and to do things. It kind of has a knock-on effect. This minimalism intentionalism, it has a knock-on effect. And when you think, my gosh, you know, when I when I spend 20 minutes a week planning what we're going to eat for the week, and I've got this system of how I use a digital shopping list and mm. plan my meals, and oh my God, it's so easy. We uh. all eat well. You know, we feel healthy. I've got energy. It all has a knock-on effect. So planning and organizing my time is how I manage it. I love that. And so you teach some of these things. You coach and you have courses. And I can't wait to hear a little bit more about those. Because even just looking at, so Anna's website is AnnaFMcDonald.com. And when you look at it, it's just so calming it's so lovely. I can't like help but want to see more about what you're doing. So tell us about about oh, your courses. So, that's so sweet. Um, mm, thank delicious. you. Um, yeah. So my my bullet journal course is about or it's about organizing your schedule and planning and doing that in in a book in an analog system, like in in a notebook that you create. Because I found that you can't really. There are lots of um, books that you can diaries you can buy in the shops but to create your own is something really special and in that course I show you how you can include uh, systems and planners and trackers that might support your art practice and your Mm. art business but that's what I find not out there is is the is the information for a creative you can find a lot of ways on how to do a bullet journal but I'm always looking for this that you're talking about right now like for an art practice and life yeah so the thing is is that I didn't want to have separate books for everything Mm, because you know mm. how we said we have this tendency to collect things notebooks and sketchbooks is still a downfall of mine yes um and I'd have all these notebooks you can't remember where you've written it you've got 800 to-do lists and you just feel more overwhelmed. So over the years, I created this one book. And in this book, I can manage my home life. So with my kids and my family, um, most of my school life, I do have a little, I have one little notebook for my teaching job because it's it's quite full on, um, but also all my art practice. And so in, in that book, it means that I can work around you know, I can work my art around my life or I can work things around my art practice. I can see it all in one place, but also with, with my art practice. So you remember how I said, you know, you can ask yourself certain questions about your work to help you review your work. There's a space where you can do that. But it's also about 
because I don't have a lot of time in my studio when right. I'm in my studio I just think right you know what what am I going to do and this is one of the things I teach um, people that come to me for coaching is how do you create these action plans for yourself so that when you go into your studio I've got a list I know exactly what I'm going to do because I've thought about it and I've already made a plan and I can schedule that around what else I'm doing so it's it's about it, it's helped me well it will help if you to to focus it's about focusing not working harder it's working smarter as they say yes yes um so it's about kind of fitting all these little facets in um and there's lots of ideas for if you wanted to track sales or um content awesome. um you know your content uh what do you call it social media content but it's oh, about nice. creating something that's right for you so not everybody will want to plan their social media content so right so it's pulling out the things that matter to each of us yeah creating something I that is unique that. for you ah that's very exciting I can't wait to dig in more to these and then you do um consulting and coaching I should say as well Yes. And then there's the laptop course. Oh, yes, the, the laptop, laptop But it's not actually, you don't need a laptop. It just covers anything digital, any digital device. And it's just that more and more we're on digital devices, particularly during right. lockdown. I noticed this when I was teaching. And, you know, you just get overwhelmed, don't you, with yeah. it, it's chaos. You, you've got files everywhere and pictures and people say can you can you send me this and attach this and this picture right, and upload this right. and you're like where's that picture and yeah. you're drowning in emails and I just felt like it's such a drain on our time and so I created a course that deals with how we can create a structure for a filing system oh my gosh we, how awesome yeah particularly for artists so we know mm. how we can file images away and also looking at our emails and how we organize photographs and how we can save things to a cloud and it's it has changed my life I have to say both of those things are so they just seem like ways to again it's it's ways to be able to breathe you know ways because we we kind of adapt hodgepodge methods I do I you know I I filed this way and then maybe something's filed over there and maybe it's written on the back page of that blue journal over there and I think combining those two together that's a very much a sweet spot, the how you're combining your digital file, I mean, organizing your digital files, how you're organizing your life, and you can start to, huh, you know, kind of breathe a sigh of, oh, okay, it's it's coming together, there's a system, I've got this, because we don't always, it's not always in one place, so I love that yeah. you've, you've done this from the creative Well, this is the thing I learned view. about having ADHD is that I need consistency I need mm. things to be organized in the same way labeled in the same way to have less of stuff because I get visually overwhelmed very yeah. very easily and I think I think the same is true of everybody but I think that when you have ADHD it's much more pronounced mm -hmm. so it's just much more clear to me that I struggle with this like you know you get overwhelmed and um See, this is why I'm having an ADHD moment because my brain switches off. And I go, where it's am okay. I? What I'm was I talking about? <laughs> I do it too. It's just. Um, yes, you see, I used to feel, I had a bit of a complex about the fact that I was teaching courses, which mm. weren't really creative. And again, I thought people aren't going to take me seriously as an artist. 
But I know that all this is, is these are things that I feel really passionately about, that if I'm helping people to address some of this chaos or things that cause stress and anxiety for other people, it just frees them up to then yeah. make art, yeah. to be creative, because the rest of your life is a little bit more in order. I just love thinking about these philosophies, thinking how to make art a priority. I, I mean, that's definitely something that's been a thread through this conversation, how you've made it a priority and how that's really helped you. And I, I think many of us listening, including myself, um, I do love helping others. I do love doing my art, but it's not a priority. And it would be nice to have more time to do that. It, and it's just planning it. It's just planning it. You know, I have time this afternoon and I could go to my studio, you know, it's, it's and, just. And what, what you said is so true about when you're worried about making something that's mediocre, mm. or it's going to be even worse than mediocre, you just don't want to do it. You don't and that start. Keep, no, that, that kept me out of my studio for months this year. Mm, interesting. I was mm. just, you know, you're scared. So yeah, yeah I, I get that. Such good points. I think uh, we'll have, we'll have to have you come back and do, do some more. I just even digging into these courses sounds so interesting. I can't wait to, to do that. Cause I, I do, you know, I have the same, I have come up with some methods, but oh, they're scant. <laughs> so, <laughs> I need, I need that lovely file behind you. I, I wish my brain felt like that, like nice and organized and, and ordered. It's not <laughs> at, at all. Sounds like a poem. Oh. It is. It is. I, I, so many interesting things. Cause I think your, your art is beautiful. The way you got there is fascinating. The fact that you teach, oh, it'd be so fun to be a fly on the wall in your classroom. Do you ever post any of your students work? I, so I sometimes do. And sometimes what I do is I do a day in the life of a teacher oh, on nice. yeah. stories and people like that. I, yeah. I sort of try and do that carefully without um identifying any students or, or where I work but um that's that's quite fun to see what what I do in the day but yeah I sometimes do um share um some of my students work yeah I love that I'll have to look and see what that what that looks like so I was gonna ask who are your courses for I think my courses are for people that struggle to get organized that feel overwhelmed with life they're not you don't really even have to you don't have to be an artist you certainly don't have to be a professional artist but there are a couple of areas in both courses which are designed for artists if you don't know what a bullet journal is that would be a good place to start even if you know what a bullet journal is this is I also teach quite a lot about how you actually plan so it's That's not good. about That's drawing important. out. It's not about how you draw a pretty book and make it look yeah. nice. It's actually about how you, That's the part how I you need. plan. Um, nice. Yeah. You just, if you just want to create a little bit more order and feel a little bit more on top of your life, a we bit more calm. <laughs> yes. And come my way. I love it. Can you tell me who's inspiring you these days? Who's inspiring me? I watched a film recently called... Good luck to you, Leo mm. Grand, with Emma Thompson. So Emma oh. Thompson is really inspiring me. It's a film. Have you heard of this? Have you heard I haven't of this? heard of that one. Is it new? Yeah. 
It's ah. really good. It's a woman who has lost her husband. She is, I want, in her early 60s, and she sort of has a sexual awakening. Ah. But the film is really about women owning their aging process. Oh, gosh, about I'm going to have to go accepting, with that one. Yes, about accepting themselves, about um female pleasure and just about it's really just about I'm just fascinated at the moment with really strong powerful beautiful women mm. and she she has to stand naked in front of a mirror at the end of this film she's 62 I think wow. and I just thought what a brave woman yeah. and it was it really brought me to tears this film it was just amazing oh, so, oh gosh I can't wait to watch that oh Emma Thompson is is my hero at the moment. Um, Mary Portis is another really strong woman mm-hmm. in her middle ages, and she is known in the UK as a bit of um, of a retail guru. She's worked in the retail industry for years, and she is was very successful. She's had a series of TV programs here. Okay, she's really focusing on changing retail and the way that we buy and sell because it's destroying the planet yeah and she's fascinating and she's trying to pass laws at the moment to make sure that all businesses have to meet certain standards where they are um caring for their employers and for the planet and it's in what she talks about yeah it's it's amazing because she says that we we're in a time where we need to be doing business using more female energy that the male mm. energy about creating and well not creating but conquering yes and yeah. and the aggressiveness of it has mm. got us to a certain point but that kind of way of doing business is destroying the planet race to the race to the finish Exactly. And so she says we need to be harnessing the the, the female qualities of nurturing and kindness. Oh, and gosh. that's that's how we that's how we need to do business. And so she's called Mary Portus, and you can see find her on Instagram, Mary Portus. So um I'll have official, it in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's she's got I can't really wait interesting to dig into her to say. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank you for that. And one last one is the artist Amy Jury. And she's one of those artists. She's a a figurative painter that just paints in colour in such an incredible way. And she's one of those artists that you just think, when I grow up, I want to be that. (laughs) I want to be her. Because um, Gabriella, when he had her on as a guest a few weeks ago, she said, oh, you know, Anna... Anna doesn't wear colour and she doesn't have colour in her house. But this is a thing. I absolutely love colour. Yeah, interesting. It's so it's it's yeah, I love color. So I really appreciate color um artists that use color really boldly. I love that because we it's that's the thing. I find myself taking more pictures instead of buying things than I used to. And it's it's like you can love color and love the things, but you don't have to collect them all or you know have them all. You can have an image or a go visit the a museum or a gallery or take a picture well this is the problem is I'm starting to acquire a lot of art Mm -hmm. this is 
this is the problem now is I'm now acquiring <laughs> a, a lot of art but who's inspiring you at the moment oh gosh that's a good question oh caught me off um there's so many I don't want to give like a pat answer but there's so many illustrators I I, I tend to go down a rabbit hole I, I I usually wake up early these days and I spend a little bit of time looking at people's Instagrams and I often will especially look at the comments people make on other other people's work and I'll follow I'll go and look at their work I'm inspired by well I'm inspired by a friend of mine who lives here on the island and her name's Tara and she she in the middle of co- she's a doer and so she she inspires me by people who just can decide and do it and I I am too but she is in a different way she started a business a barbering business and made her like from, from not knowing anything about it and is such a people person. And the way she um, it's called come on barber. And I'll put it in the, in the notes because she's now been on NPR, which is our public radio station. She's been on the telly. She's, she's the Pied Piper. It's very cool to see her, to look at her kind of, um, gain confidence in what she's doing by the fact that she's put herself out there and it's working. It's really working. And I think that's an example. I love people who try something like you're saying and try it again and then lean in when it's working right. Um, artist wise. Oh my gosh. There's so many. Um, there's an artist I work with professionally. Her name's Jennifer Brindley. And she does really like I can have an idea and say, Jennifer, what about this? And she comes back and she's done it her way and it's beautiful. And, and we produce product together. So I really love somebody that's got their own style, but is really willing to dream. And she comes, she comes to the table with a lot of inspiration and, and, and all sorts of things like that. And, you know, it's just, I just love people really who are showing up as themselves. I, mm. I think there's, there's so many, my sister also, who is, um, she's done many things in her life, but she went back to be a nurse later in life and she's a nurse practitioner and she's been through it for several years now and, and COVID just has done a number. So she's decided that her work she's done so much work, um, on herself and with other very wise women. And so now her focus is healing the healers because who's left to do that really. And so people who, who find a need and fill it and, and at the same time find delight and joy in it, those, those women and so many others are who inspires me. Thanks for asking. Nobody asks me that. I don't have a list. (laughs) There was one last thing I wanted to ask you. Yeah, please. I love it. Because I read that you, was one of your tutors, Wayne Tebow? Yes. I. Gosh, I am obsessed with Wayne Tebow. I, the story doesn't have the best ending (laughs) (laughs) because I was so young and dumb. So yes, he was. I had an art class with Wayne Tebow. I can remember standing at the easel with him and him saying something. I dropped that class because it was too early in the morning. 
And I didn't go back and take it again. There were some amazing, amazing teachers at that time at, at the school where I went to school. And can you believe that? I no, Well, I can actually. Do you know what? It's actually really refreshing that you should say that because, yeah. you know, when we were having this chat about yeah. before we started recording, we were talking about being in our early 20s and traveling yeah. and these experiences. Was this in your early 20s? Or oh, like my God. It was, I was probably 19. But yeah. We were idiots. We, we were, were all idiots. just idiots. Don't I you just like, look back and I just don't want go, an eight o'clock art class. It's too early for idiot. me. <laughs> and I think this is why it's lovely. Like we've both chosen, we've yeah. all, who inspiring us? And it's women. It's women yes. that are in their, you know, yes. their 50s and their 60s, just freaking owning it. Yes. And you're like, they have wisdom and power and knowledge and kindness. And they are just themselves. And they're also yes. much more humble and allow yourself to be vulnerable which is I think often what these talks are all about but then when you're 19 and 20 you know everything oh my gosh, oh Wayne Tebow so. who's he oh I need, I need a lion I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get up for <laughs> I you I don't Wayne. need that little sketch oh, to save fine. up forever and have it be worth $35,000 oh, on an antiques roadshow <laughs> oh, you can't teach me anything honestly and I've honestly, loved I'm his sure, art but... ever since I love of it. Course. I love it so much. I have I just know. looking at some today, these postcards I have. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I left the class. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've I done neglect- a lot of stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Well, we, you know, it's the path. It's the path we're on. And I, I did, I neglected to mention too, or, or you mentioned it in a way and it made me think about it. The people we meet through our creative <clears throat> ventures, careers, teaching, whatever, like your, your pink painting friend with a big vase, right? I, I have the best net, small network of amazing supportive friends because we are going through similar things in a very different way. And we may never live in the same town, but we can send, you know, a text thread to each other and it might, it might be months apart, but it'll be, it'll be something funny or a work question or a personal, like I'm trying to deal with this thing, or let's go to Mexico together, whatever it might be. And, and there we all are supporting each other. And I find so much grace and gratitude for that in this creative industry, because we've got each other's backs, you know? Yeah. I love that. And, and I feel like meeting you today. Yeah. It's one more. I know. I feel very honored. Um, yeah. It's very exciting, but again, yeah, it's, it, it is about set, the differences, know, celebrating too. our differences and really, you know, really enjoying each other for being different. But you can only do that when you really, really accept yourself, can't you? It's true because earlier in life when we're dropping out of Wayne Tebow's class or whatever it is, we're <laughs> trying not to be different. I think most, many of us, I was trying not to be different. And I embrace now more and more every day what my experiences have done to make me, you know, my own unique package and may that continue and may that continue (laughs) exactly yes and raising raising kids is is no small feat of watching that happen as well yes you know teaching whatever all the things (laughs) raising raising ourselves so anyway I appreciate it yes Thank you so much, Anna, for being here with me today and just sharing these thoughts and and asking the questions. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was a joy. Thank mm-hmm. you, Margot. Thanks. Can you just quick say where people can find you? 
Yes, so you can find me on Instagram at Anna F. MacDonald Art. And my website is AnnaFMacDonald.com. Excellent. And it'll all be in the show notes and we'll have you back and we'll chat some more. Look forward to it. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.